Good evening, everyone. Let's get started. Wednesday night, and we're all crossed out. I wonder what we're going to talk about. <laughs> this is seriously just great intro music. I mean, it's awesome. Like, I mean, not for this pod necessarily, but The Mandalorian. This is just, I, I love, I, I love how they really leaned into, like, the, the Western mm-hmm. theme mm-hmm. of this show. Absolutely. And just not, this really does slap this, uh, this music. Uh, I was disappointed to discover that the the composer for this Ludwig Göransson isn't back for the season. I think it's like one of his protege. It's like one of his, te- you know, because you know all these composers. Mm-hmm. Same with like Hans Zimmer. I believe that. Um, I might be wrong, but I I think that is. Um, did BT start under Hans Zimmer, or did they just like hook up? I don't remember, but um. But a lot of these composers run shops, you know, like, uh, you know, stu- they have like a studio. It's a composer studio. Right. And they have lots of people who work for them. In fact, like Hans Zimmer probably doesn't do a lot of like the busy work that he used to do early in his career. Like or- write out, you know, like orchestrate out something for strings and and do all of the sheet music and stuff. Like he probably doesn't. He has like lots of assistants and and um and probably outsources to them even some actual work like that's kind of how you know like uh like in ye olden days if you went to work for like a master blacksmith right or like, like a, a whatever like, it's like an apprenticeship where you learn things yeah, and then eventually you're like tasked with responsibilities and as you develop your skills your tasks with more responsibilities yeah, and some of them are like flat out creative some of them is like some of them would be will be like he'll say okay how about you write this light motif you know and you know if yeah, i if, can, if it's can, good right if it's good i'll approve it and it'll be in the thing right um yeah pumping the musical equivalent of bellows and yeah by the way like it is apprenticeship like it is often like literally an apprenticeship uh in that style in the style of like a master craftsman or whatever um, and so it's one of Gorenson's people, I guess. So that's that's at least that's cool. encouraging. Mm-hmm. At least you have some kind of continuity. Uh, and the music in that episode is pretty good. Right. And so do we want to start with, because, I mean, everybody can see the title of tonight's call-in room. It, it, it's all about Daddy Pedro. Daddy Pedro. Daddy There's Pedro. Not, you know what? We don't, we don't like, for, well, first of all, you know, whatever, sport. It, was there anything, the, the question is this. Was there anything shocking that you you don't want to no, not really no, no. I, I, that's I, I mean that's in itself that's an important point to say to people like you're not there isn't like a big somebody shows up and it's a big shocker, right. So, like, in that sense, I wouldn't be afraid because I yeah on on other episodes, there's nothing like entirely like shocking or anything, especially like. For The Last of Us, if you know the plot line of The Last of Us, nothing in this episode was particularly shocking. And then, obviously, today we had the first episode of season three of The Mandalorian, which probably the most shocking part of that is that, um, yeah, they they don't address anything that happened in Book of Boba Fett. So if you didn't watch it, then you are going to be completely lost as to what the hell is going on. Yes. Now, I was just telling uh, Jen before the show that I... Uh, to me, that's a uh, because people, you know, like complain about it, except that I think that the, it's a weird complaint because if you're a huge Mandalorian fan, right, if you love Mando and Grogu and somebody says to you, oh, if you want to watch season three, 
you will need to watch, you know, at least these two or three episodes of the Book of Boba Fett because they continue the story of the Mandalorian and Grogu. What is somebody going to say? No, we'll see. But he's... I only watch the Mandalorian in his own show, sir. Well, here's the thing, <laughs> and this is where I disagree with you because this is something first off that I've slammed Marvel for and praised Disney Plus for. But it's not just a few episodes of the Book of Boba Fett. It's literally the second half of the first season. That's of Book of three, Boba Fett. though. That's three episodes. And I they're mean, short. It's... And they're kind of short-ish. But also, again, it's not an ask if. The, you're, it's a reward. It's because it's not just, oh, they show up and a thing happens that you got to know. It's not only, like, centered on them. It's emotional. It's great. People cried. It was fucking – it was, like, an event. Yeah, like, I'm not – like, I'm not mad that they did, like, basically season 2.5 in Book of Boba Fett. But, like I said, this is something that I've I've slammed Marvel for. And that's the idea that, like, you need to watch this other thing over here to understand what is going on with this other thing that you want to watch. Yeah. And it's something – and when we were talking about Obi-Wan and Andor, it's a situation where, like – you can choose to watch those shows or not. It's not going to impact you watching the next Star Wars movie or Mandalorian or anything like that. Whereas if you did not watch the second half of Book of Boba Fett, you're going to be like, wait, how are they? Wait, wait. Last, last time I saw Mandu and Grogu, he was handing Grogu off to Luke. It was hilarious, like, uh, like, because uh, Grief, Grief Karga is in this, the character hmm. that's played by Carl Weathers. And he plays, he plays the surrogate for like normies who didn't watch Book of Boba Fett. He says to Mando, like, didn't you, weren't you supposed to drop him off somewhere? And he just says something like, yeah, I did. I did. And then he came back. Right. Which is a, a <laughs> super, 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 super high gloss over what actually took place in Book of Boba Fett, which is fairly important to the character development of both Mando and Grogu because it's, and people kind of complain like, oh, this is kind of like cheapens the whole separation thing. I'm like, no, 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 no. It, it doesn't. It doesn't when you look and you realize like the character development that happens in Boba Fett and you realize the choices that both Dingerin and Grogu make to come back together. It's not – it doesn't lessen what happened there. But anyway, if you didn't watch that, you would be like, wait, what? I – how – who I I'm very confused. What is going on here? <laughs> I see JD posted a slash film article where somebody says Grogu sucks. Grogu extremely does not suck. Grogu is adorable. It says also apparently Grogu was with Luke for two years. What really? I, I can see that because I mean it's I mean time is compressed in TV shows and we can actually talk about that in The Last of Us too because there was some pretty massive time jumps when you look at from like the video game to the show but it makes sense for like a show versus a video game because yeah. you don't want episodes upon episodes of them wandering through the forest killing zombies that's kind of ridiculous and redundant but yeah I mean I can see that and I can see it being a situation where Grogu was with Luke training for X amount of time and he comes to the realization that it's and, and I, I don't even. I mean, is there even any point in saying spoiler alert at this point about things that were in Book of Boba Fett? No, absolutely not. But I mean, it's put. Luke literally puts it to Grogu, like because it's a situation where Mando comes back around. He has the he has he has this absolutely adorable little Beskar chain mail top yes. made for Mithrit, Grogu. Mithril. <laughs> because it, it's his youngling, and it's like this is this is the it's way. From the, it's from the mines of Mandalore. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, as is the way. My like, cousin okay. Balin was the king of the mines of Mandalore. <laughs> but literally, he like he took his spear <clears throat> to the armor and explained the situation. It's like, okay, this is my youngling. She's like, okay, well then, here we go, and makes him this cute little this little Beskar chainmail shirt, and he. He goes there to visit Grogu. Luke's like, no, you can't see him. He's like, okay, well, here, just I, – I had something made. Just give him this. And so Luke literally brings Grogu in, sets him down, puts the lightsaber in front of him, puts the best car shirt in front of him, and asks him to choose. And Grogu chooses. He chooses the best car shirt. He chooses to go back with Mando. So that there is a whole, like, development there and where, like, this isn't – a situation where, as with most of the show, this is just Grogu 
being a victim of circumstance and ending up with this person and that person, whatever. He literally makes a choice. Yeah. And I compared it. I said uh, in terms of like feeling like an emotional goodbye like that, that feels final in the moment, isn't final, damages the arc. I compared it. I mean, obviously, it's a little unfair to compare this to one of the great whatevers of all time. But it's like saying that Gandalf shouldn't show up in two towers because that would make his whole death in the Fellowship of the Ring like it would devalue it because of how it affects the other characters. But like, no, it no, it doesn't. It absolutely doesn't. No, the 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 thought the sort of the the thought that they you know like then quote unquote knowledge it was false knowledge but like the knowledge that that he was now lost caused them all to like evolve in certain ways and that doesn't get erased because he turns up later absolutely not and it it, it took it took a, a true goodbye between them to make both of them realize that like eh, this sucks right it, on paper that we did the thing that we were supposed to do but like none of us are happy with the result right it's it's the movement of something being a, a situation of circumstance where Grogu and Mandu end up together and it being a choice for them to be together. So, but like I said, if you didn't see any of that, then you would have no idea what is going on. How is Mando flying around in this new ship with this special little compartment for Grogu where yeah. he just kind of sits up there and makes his cute little Grogu noises and, and does so, cute Grogu things. And so I laughed because they did, uh, they did tweet a thing. They did make some kind of uh, quick video. Uh, really? Neon's tweet about Mando and Grogu goodbye? Hold on. And actually, I'm I'm trying to think back. What the um, fuck? I don't remember tweeting this. I actually made this point in, back in September. <laughs> Holy shit. When you tweet so much, you can't remember what the hell you tweeted. I mean, no, I actually have a – I've been told yeah. before that I have a freakishly good memory, like, recall. You really do, actually. Me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, – and that's – I even don't – that's like my old, old tweets don't exist anymore. But like, uh, yeah, I guess somebody says here, like, what was the point of Mandalorian season two, a season dedicated to Mando finding a Jedi to take Grogu if they were going to get immediately reunited before season three began? It makes the entire last season feel pointless and cheapens the goodbye. So I write, it's a fair criticism, but I didn't think for a second their goodbye would be permanent, at least not least because we know Grogu isn't around later and having his ultimate fate just be he was murdered by Kylo Ren isn't much better. That's a, Oh, and look, look who chimes in. Hey, I know her. The end of season two says uh, that Jen Mon Monroe, hmm. I, whatever. The end of I've season before <laughs> the end of season two showed that Mando was willing to put aside his own feelings for Grogu's sake. Book of Boba Fett showed that Grogu is with Mando by choice now. One can quibble about when those things sort of happened, but they both needed to happen. See, we're just repeating things we said on Twitter six months ago. Because we were right then and we're right now. <laughs> yes, exactly. We landed on the right point to begin with. <laughs> Thank you, JD, for that. <laughs> for showing us that we're not, we're not yeah, saying anything original. But thank you for bringing up the point that I made that point before, which is that, yes, it was character development for Mando too, because, again, he didn't, want to leave Grogu with Luke but he did because that's what he thought in that moment was best for him is that you need to go be with your people you need to go be with the Jedi you need to go continue on your life path that was interrupted by Kylo Ren deciding to go kill everybody in the temple anyway yeah because that's because <laughs> that's what I, I keep I keep saying like that's because because that that's the thing I'm most curious about. I some, I, you know what? I feel like, unfortunately, I feel like the ultimate end for Grogu is going to be something like he gets transported into a mystical portal and nobody knows what happens. Something, it's going to be some fucked up shit like that. Because again, his 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 ultimate fate cannot be. That he was murdered by Kylo Ren. That's such awful no. bullshit. <laughs> like he's just going to like ascend to a higher plane of consciousness and is going to literally be with all of the Jedi everywhere. Unless, because there was a rumor, I still think this rumor sounds awfully sketch just by nature of what it is. 
But there's a rumor going around that they're going to make more Star Wars movies and they're going to have Rey and Grogu in them. That's the that doesn't now, make sense. No, that that's not true that it doesn't make sense because if the if what happens with Grogu at the end of this show is he gets put in a cryo sleep for a hundred years or I don't know however long, fifty years or something like that, and then uh, Star Wars Episode Ten starts Maybe. with like Ray finding him. I'm saying it can work. But I mean, from what I understand, yeah. Mandalorian is slated to have like I at this point I think seven or eight seasons like they're playing is on it really yeah like they this is not going to be a short show like this is something like this is going to go on yeah. so i don't even know how you would work that into the star wars thematic yeah. universe oh thank you jd again with the 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 lickety split on lickety split on the links uh oh really it's doomcock who said it yeah that that means it's it's extra sketch i'm not saying that that's not something that Somebody probably floated at Lucas at some point. Like there's, it's that has to be right. He, Grogu is so popular, and uh, they probably do. Like if they if they make more sequels, they kind of have to have Ray in them. I mean Ray, yes, but I mean Mandalorian exists as part of, but outside of the cinematic universe. Whereas, whereas I mean they it references people and places and things in the star wars cinematic universe but it's not really of any of those storylines do a reboot we know that there's time travel in star wars it's already been established that like time travel exists mm -hmm. that by the way that might be a thing that happens like mando and grogu might travel like far into the past and then grogu will become Yoda's grandfather uh, or something that's, that. doing, that's doing too much just leave Mandalorian as its own thing I again I know the thing that will fix but... all of this the thing that will fix all of this shit is if they decide to uh uh reboot the sequels you know, like if they cancel all of that shit, all of a sudden it's no longer like a specter, right? It's no longer hovering over you. Can it's always there. It's always going to be there. Yeah, because they have all of this stuff now. They, they got exist. the the Ahsoka show they want to do, which is again also in this time period. With they're bringing in Thrawn, all of this shit. Now they're going to bring in all these people from Rebels and stuff. But like, it all leads up to this thing that was controversial and fans don't really like and they don't and I don't care how much money it made by the way I because a, a thing that I really hate is when people um have this like sunk cost uh uh like uh like investment in telling you that something was successful because it made a lot of money and they don't understand uh with especially with something like Star Wars, because yeah, there are lots of IP, small original IP. You bring it out of nowhere, you make one movie, it makes tons and tons of money, but like it doesn't, it doesn't last forever. That's fine. Star Wars, when you make the new Star Wars movies, you're expecting again. You go to you go to buy Star Wars merch now. What you see is Grogu. You don't see anything from the fucking movies that they made, the trilogy of new Star Wars movies that they made. And so I don't care how much money they actually made like at the time. You can't tell me that they're happy with the fact that like nobody goes to buy a Ray action figure. Nobody wants a Kylo Ren, you know? That's that's bad. That's not good. Well, I mean, I, who can compete with Grogu though? I mean, Look at them. Just look at them. Well, they, I mean, that, that's, I know, I know. Yeah. But, yeah. but I'm saying that's also like, yeah, it's not just like the cuteness factor. There's also like an emotional component and how like this show really clicked with people in a way that I wasn't really expecting. Like I didn't expect it to become like the phenomenon that it did. And like everybody kind of latched onto it. And, and yes, part of it is Grogu because he's fucking cute and he does cute things all the damn time you know what it is i don't know whom said this which of the many star wars critics said this but uh in a lot of in in the in the prequels but especially in the sequels nobody has a normal person relationship with anybody ray and and finn are a vague weird friend thing ray and uh and kylo it's are a, a weird <laughs> thing and then they kiss situationships mando and grogu 
father-son relationship. That's fucking simple. It's relatable. What the fuck are, like, all of the stars in the sequel movies don't behave like people with the other people in their life. They form incredibly tight bonds with Pete with like, why is Ray so influenced by Leia? Like people have commented on the ridiculousness of her going back to Tatooine and calling herself Skywalker. Where like Luke hated Tatooine. It was where his parents got murdered. Right. I mean, he was basically like not exiled there per se, but basically stashed there for safekeeping. It was the only reason that it was their house was like Anakin was a slave there. Grew up with Shmi Skywalker being slaves on Tatooine. That's the place you're going? Like, it's so fucking weird. And yeah, like, it's not relatable on a base human level. Man alone seeking is whatever. It's like a trope. Lone wolf and cub. It's a, it's like a, it's like, a, I mean, th- it's, this is influenced by it. The last of us is also, also influenced by mm-hmm. the lone wolf and cub trope. Um, it's like you really need a human anchor in a in a the more fantastical the setting the more of a like a, of a like a very basic core of like human anchor you need i think i i believe that like avatar does this cuz i think the second avatar is all about like family family <laughs> you don't mess with the avatar family oh all like 672 <laughs> of them or whatever <laughs> That's that's a that's a fast and the furious fast and choice. the furious Pandora drift. That's my Vin, <laughs> my Vin Diesel impression. There's 2,700 extras. This is all my family. <laughs> God. Um. But anyway, back to well, it's wait. Like people wanted to cancel Grogu. You're bringing up all kinds of shit. But hold on. I, I oh. Sorry. Uh, I was not expecting my own joke to be that funny. Because <laughs> this is before they even knew his name was Grogu. Mm-hmm. Would you kill baby Yoda if you knew for a fact he'd grow up to be Yoda Hitler? <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny. I think that was literally like after the first episode because like their mission was to go kill him. Right. Like, yeah. Kill the child. The, the, back when he was <clears throat> the child. Back before you even had a name. Yes, the child. Back when Werner Herzog was musing about how hard bounty hunting was a complicated profession. So (laughs) the beginning of season three here finds us with Mando and Grogu together by choice. And so it's even a situation where like they had the, and I forget, was this addressed in Mandalorian or in Boba Fett, the rebuilding of Razorcrest? Uh, not of Razor. Well, Razor. no, because Razorcrest got destroyed, right? In... And so now he has a new ship, mm-hmm. and so the N one, yeah, right. And so it, it has like a special spot for Grogu where he sits and he can go down into like the little main cockpit, but he also has this little spot. So basically, like, okay, so his <laughs> he has like the spaceship version of a minivan now, and he's got like the little child seat for Grogu, and he has no, it's not a minivan. It's more like and you can look around. It's more it's like cute. a it's more like a Corvette with a baby seat. Like it's like Kinda, you know, yeah, he has like a sports car, but it has like a <laughs> like a little seat for his little baby because that's his because they're I, they, yeah. they're together by choice now. And I, so the the idea though, and what they're setting up in this first episode of season three is that because. He one time took off his helmet because he had to, so that Grogu could see him. I mean, he so, actually no, did it. A co- no, he did it a couple no. other times. And that, by the way, one of my only like major sort of plot complaint contrivance things was when he took his helmet off in the episode with Bill Burr. Mm-hmm. There you go. Thank you. Above average, Joe knew exactly what I was talking about. But no, because there was a in season one. His helmet got taken off because he was about to die, right? He right, he that was wasn't gonna, of his choice. Right, he thought he was going to die. The one with Bill Burr, I thought was not – they shouldn't have done that. And that was, that was the, the thing that is sacrilege, which actually this episode, Chapter 13, is the title, The Apostates. Yeah. So basically he's in a state of disgrace because he took off his helmet by choice and the armorer has told him like, okay, well, you're not Mandalorian anymore. And so it's like, okay, well, what do I got to do to, like, get being back Mandalorian again? And she's like, 
well, according to the creed, you got to go back to Mandor and go bathe in the living waters. Like, well, Mandor is destroyed. Like, well, yeah. And so now, like, the what they're setting up for this season is that Mando and Grogu are going back to Mandalore because he has gotten... He, he One of the Jawas found a piece of glass from Mandalore where, like, it, obviously they, like, kind of glass parking lots the, the planet. Yes. But the piece of glass is not poisonous. So his contention is, like, okay, well, maybe it's destroyed, but it's not poisonous. So he's going to go there to go try to bathe in the living waters so that he can atone for taking off his helmet. And this is going to be a whole thing. But that is the overarching idea here with season three is like, we're going back to Mandalore so I can restore my honor. Yes. And I, by the way, do not mind at all because you're going to read a take about this at some point. Because I do believe takes like this were written before about this show too. It's just going to be a series of fetch quests they're just going to need – it's going to be a series of MacGuffins that they need because he – what he needs is he needs IG-11 to go to Mandalore. Which, again, if you didn't watch the second half of Book of Boba Fett, you have no idea who that is. I know. You would know who he is because cool. he was in the – he was in Mandalorian too, but you wouldn't know why he's dead. Right. <laughs> like you would not know why all of a sudden we the, – the first side Oh, quest. no. Actually, no. You know what? That's not true. You would still think he was dead. But you would think that he died in season one of The Mandalorian, and you wouldn't know that he was like a hero. Yeah, he and you would, wouldn't he understand a, why you had a statue. Of him. Yeah, there was a whole redemption arc where he basically self destructed to save the people of Naveen, which Naveen is now very is it, gorgeous. Is it, and No, it's called uh, a Navarro. Navarro. There you go. And it's very gorgeous and, and pretty now. And it's, uh, we got rid of all the crime. And now we got the kids and the folk singers and everything's very nice and pretty. But so anyway, so he goes back to grab this droid because it's like, okay, I need this droid to go back to Mandalore because I need a droid I can trust, right. I can send down to the surface to find out if we can go down to the surface. So the droid, whatever, long story short, the droid isn't working. He needs a thing. He needs a because memory he's circuit. Like, yeah. Because he's like three quarters destroyed because he's self-destructed in a lava river. Yes. And uh, <laughs> if you want to dig up uh, prophetic tweets of mine, JD, go dig up the one where I was like, all I want is Babu Frick in season two of The Mandalorian. Now, it's not Babu Frick. It's just other and. And Zellens? I think. I I do think they are going to bring Babu Frick into season three. They haven't done it yet. Yeah, potentially. But like his people are there. Yeah, the and Zellens, I think they're called. And they are like one of my favorite uh, newer Star Wars things. Not just that they're cute. I would say so cute that even Grogu had to go squeeze one. Yes. But not not only are are they cute, but unlike a lot of other... Star Wars aliens, they're um, the way that they speak like broken like English, English and combine it with their own language feels so natural, like feels really real. It does really feel like somebody who's speaking a foreign language and knows a little bit of English. Um, right. And yeah, and they're just a, they're really cute. And yeah, like, yeah, you get that this whole scene, scene where, where like it's like. They're they're there and they're trying to get them to rebuild this droid and Grogu's there and he's just like decides to go pick up one and start squeezing it and it was like stop squeezing do not squeeze and he's like but I want to squeeze bad baby bad baby and he's just like Grogu's like no but I want to squeeze (laughs) as he does Uh, and there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of um, a lot of like uh, uh, practical things. Right. A lot of like uh, creatures and makeup effects and stuff. And we were talking about uh, the puppets. Right. And how Grogu is a puppet and not some kind of CG thing. And uh, and like the little Babu Frick people. Are yeah. Too. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of a lot of it. I also think, again, I, I was saying, like, I think the scene where IG-88 is like dragging itself across the floor like Terminator style. I think that was also practical. Because it looks very practical, and what it looks like, I'm learning and, to recognize a little bit, and quite horrifying, actually. By yeah, the way. <laughs> I'm learning to recognize uh, like wh- like wire removal, like puppets with wire removal, and it's that's such a great to me. That's such a great technique because uh, it also makes things cheaper in a way. Because making a fully realized CG 
creature is expensive. It takes a lot of hours. That's where the money goes in, right? Uh, the like the 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 man, quote unquote man hours. It's a sexist term. Um, when you make an animatronic, the cost goes into making it look real in camera. Now you don't got to do that. You can make a cheaper doll. You can make a puppet that has very visible sticks and wires and stuff. And that's the stuff that you like paint out in post. And I was I was mentioning to Jen, uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Mm-hmm. Uh, which has lots of really good uh, behind-the-scenes footage. And, yeah, one of the cool parts is to see how much, like, got safety and guide wires and stuff they had, and they just removed them. Yeah, person hours. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Labor hours. Work hours. Yeah, sir. yeah work hours. Or no, hours of labor. Mm-hmm. Um, it, so, they like, what they did was, like, they just – took away all of the safety wires that everybody was tied in. And so they're still jumping. The cars are still driving. They also like moved the cars closer together in post. Cause like they're driving. There's one scene where like one of the big trucks just explodes and everybody's driving like five feet away from it. They wouldn't do that. Right. They filmed it alone driving and exploding. They filmed everybody else, the two matching track mm-hmm. shots. And then they just dumped it all in the same place. That's how you use like to me, that's like the best combination uh, of uh, like you know like uh, post production like CGI quote unquote what they call uh, where you yeah you just do it to like take away the the guide wires and the movie magic is all still there because somebody's jumping from a moving car to another moving car they're just tied so they don't die right <laughs> and there's one scene in this episode where. Mando has to throw Grogu and it's it's obvious like when you're looking <laughs> at the scene it's like it, it's Pedro Pascal is literally throwing the animatronic Grogu like he's throwing to Carl Weathers the, I mean, yeah like he's throwing the puppet and you could tell he's, he's throwing this actual physical thing to another person and it's in the moment it's slightly funny because it's like kind of obvious that like, you're like throwing an animatronic thing to another person but Again, it's still better than like a CGI version. And I even remember like, remember when it was like extremely controversial when we had CGI Yoda fighting? Like that whole scene, like when they did like a CGI Yoda in the movies, like which movie was it? He was fighting with, uh, he was was fighting. Well, there were two. No, no, because he was, he fought, he fought. No, 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 no. He fought, uh, he fought uh, Baron, whatever his name was. Dooku, Count Dooku. (laughs) Thank you. And then he also fought the emperor in in the whatever, in uh, Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, it was the, it was the Dooku one. That was controversial because he's all flipping and flopping and doing all the crazy. And it's obviously CGI because you can't do that with a puppet. And people were like, well, it's kind of, it kind of sucks in a way. And it's, I like that Mandalorian has kept sort of that old school Star Wars, like actually using puppets. Because I mean, obviously, when you were filming back in, you know, the late 70s, early 80s, CGI didn't exist the way it does now. And you had to use puppets. And now, it's a actual conscious choice by the showrunners to be like, okay, we're not using CGI. We're going to actually use animatronics. We're going to use puppets. And it's visually speaking, it, it's, it's different. Like you can, your eye can tell the difference between like a CGI version of something. And when you're looking at something that like actually physically exists in the real world, like there is an actual like animatronic Grogu that lives in some studio somewhere. I don't know exactly where. But this these are things that like actually exist. And so when wow. you look at it. Look at this. The Grogu what? puppet cost $5 million. Now I want to know what that means though. I want to know like what the – like what is – what are the implications of that? Plus, by the way uh, – I mean it's, it's – he's a fairly intricate little animatronic guy. So, I mean and yeah. he exists like it, it has to – walk by itself it has to make facial expressions ears, there, no 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 eyes, no there's fans. definitely no there's definitely more than one there's definitely well, several I mean, I they'll rig them up for whatever but uh but you say five million okay so you're like oh shit right oh my god you said cheap it's five million now one it's the one you use all the time right 
like if it's unless you unless there's a reason for you to like update the puppet from like season two to season three, it's five million dollars that you don't need in the budget of season three. Right now, I'm sure they do build a new one. I'm just saying they they can have spares, you know, but. Oh, here's the extent. Thank you, J.D. There's actually an article about it. But uh, and another thing is hero props there's a so uh, so a props like if you if somebody has a gun in a movie for example there they make three at least three different kinds right uh if the gun never if somebody ever fires the gun there's never a gun right uh there and so there's the hero prop which is the prop you see up close if you're holding it up to the camera it's got to look like a real gun it's got to feel heavy whatever then you got like Guns that look like that but are hollowed out there so that it's a resin casting that looks exactly, exactly like that or one that's made out of rubber. If somebody's throwing a gun to somebody in a movie, it's never a fucking actual gun that they're right. throwing or also not something – not even like a prop gun that's the weight of a real gun. You throw something that's like rubber foam that's made to look exactly, exactly like – if you're in the dist, if you're in the distance, if you're running with something and you're not a – uh a stunt man. That's why part of why the Alec Baldwin uh, rust situation mm. is so shocking. Like it really is like they really avoid using anything that is an actual firearm. It's really uh, it's really a, a pretty crazy story. But um, uh, but uh, it's that's not that's not a lot of money. Like you you could easily spend five million dollars doing. All, like considering how often he's on camera, all of those cuts to do like CG and all of the rendering and all of the tweaks and the repasses and it goes through. It's that would be way more expensive than this, right? And so, like, but again, it's he's a fairly complicated, evolved animatronic thing. Like even. The, the infamous soup scene from like season one, where it's like he's sitting there like sipping his little like bone broth or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, but I mean, that's to have a puppet do that is fairly complicated because like he's on his own, like you got to control him and he's got to have like hand movements and eye movements and ear movements. And he's got like, he has to look like a actual physical being that is moving of his own accord. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, uh, Kit J, 1989, says, I remember a making of in Band of Brothers where Tom Hanks and Spielberg were tossing these around these rubber rifles. Uh, yeah, like, again, think about it, especially like if you're filming like a World War II thing, you're running, it's dirt or whatever. You slip and you fall, you can break your face against an actual rifle. Like, it's it's really, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of potential for injury. If you watch, there's a, a clip that they shared from uh, the making of 1917 uh the movie uh and it's a scene where like the guy's running right as like a, an attack starts and people are running past him and he's running like everybody's running out of the trench and he's running perpendicularly so like crossing the paths mm -hmm. of everybody that's running across and there's explosions and stuff and he runs straight into a guy and it's for real they've just filmed it you mm -hmm. know they just filmed it like that and they're all running full bore and these two just collide and he just gets up and keeps running it's really authentic uh i love when actors do that it sells it so hard like uh we always talk about the scene in um in the two towers where aragorn kicks the helmet and yells in frustration he broke his foot kicking mm -hmm. that and that yell is an actual scream like of him, pain and actually breaking and his he foot. fall <laughs> yeah and he gets on his knees he goes like ah and it's really good and yeah he, like he actually broke his foot he actually <laughs> broke his foot <laughs> um yeah i think we can uh, we can talk a little uh, last of us cuz we're yeah let's i would say let's let's pivot because yeah. this was I mean, okay. <laughs> okay, a couple of things. A couple of things well, you can say about this. Uh, um, well, I, 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 I have yeah. things to say. Yeah, yeah, no, sure, of course. Mm -hmm. I, I know, no, I want to give you, I want to lay you the runway. I have, mm -hmm. I said, I was going to say a couple of just short things before you, uh, you spoke about it. One, I thought it was clever that they took an episode and did like the DLC as an episode, another kind of mm -hmm. meta thing in, in terms of like, how will we adapt a video game? And so the DLC, which DLC in games, especially story-oriented games like this, 
will often have like a chapter, a self-contained story chapter. So it kind of makes for the perfect like a side episode. I thought that was really cool. And I think that's the the quick thing I wanted to say. So yeah, go, go ahead. So this episode did not go where I expected it to. So if you haven't watched it and you're familiar with The Last of Us lore, this is the Riley episode, which this is the explanation and showing of how Ellie got bit. Where we started at the beginning of this episode, and again, I want to kind of do this like spoiler free. I thought we were going to go in a completely different direction and get introduced to a completely different set of characters. And then we did, they did the jump cut. They did the jump cut. And then we got this flashback of Ellie's time in the orphanage slash military school slash, well, I mean, not even slash military school. It was a military school. And so, and again, there's, I don't want to explain how she got there because the show has not even began to address that situation. But what interests me about this is they kept the bones of the Ellie Riley story and how she got bit, which was basically like, okay, her and her best friend Riley were hanging out at the mall, which I get even after like the fungal apocalypse, you're not going to stop teenagers from hanging out at the mall. <laughs> so in the game, like, okay, they go into this mall, which is part of like the forbidden zone. It's they're not supposed to be going there. Did you see, by the way, just a quick, uh, did you see it's like, a, it's a mall in Calgary or something like that. And right. Everyone right. from that town was like, they didn't have to dirty it up much. It's a fucking dump. Oh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure. And that's in the, the cinematography and the oh, it's so beautiful in the show. Anyway, Wait, in the, the last of us is racist. Keep going. Anyway, so the game in the gameplay, like, okay, so Ellie and Riley are in this mall where they're not supposed to be. It's during the daytime, which is markedly different from the actual show how they do it and in the gameplay there is an actual whole horde of zombies in the mall so they're in the mall they're somewhere where they're not supposed to be they're hanging out they're doing teenager stuff and then horde comes they try to fight them off they both get bit and obviously riley turns ellie does it <laughs> so they keep the bones of that but they elaborate on it in a way, and, and like I feel like a broken record saying this, but in a TV show, you kind of have to do a little more backstory and a little more exposition than you do in a video game. Because, yeah. like, in the game, unless it's, it's a Hideo Kojima video game yeah. when you have time for a 42 minute cutscene or whatever, right? And even in The Last of Us, I think they actually address this. This cutscene is actually in Left Behind. The cutscene itself is like a good five-ish minutes long, which is a long time for a cutscene in a video game. But if you tried to address this in five minutes in a TV show, people would be like, what? That's insane. So they stretch it out to basically being like the entirety of the episode, and they flesh it out to where her and Riley have a relationship. We're not... I, kind of another, I was kind of surprised they went ahead and rung this bell, but I mean, since. Well, yeah, I mean, again. I, I, but, yeah. This, <laughs> I, I'll, 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 I'll quote. I mean, at this point, that doesn't count as a spoiler, but yeah, like no. it takes until The Last of Us Part Two until you learn that Ellie is gay. Yeah, Ellie has a girlfriend in The Last of Us Part Two, which yeah. is the second most controversial thing about the last of us part two. <laughs> Second shoo, most controversial shoo, thing. Shoo, 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 shoo. Yeah. Now uh, I will say so that one thing you mentioned here, which I think is really critical again in a meta adaptation way. You said in the game it's a horde. Here it's just mm -hmm. one, right? Right. I think they were really smart to ramp the danger of the infected way up. In because in the game, Joel is like Killing entire hordes of these fuckers, right? Like, e e quote unquote, easily, depending on how good you are at the game. Uh, no. The fact that they were like, no, because because it's gonna make him seem like a big action, big action man, man, and it'll reduce the 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 fear. Like, it would be much better if one. Because remember where when Henry's like, uh, she says, 
she says, are there any of those like uh, ones that see in the dark? And he goes, you saw a clicker? And she's like, two. And he's like, and you're alive. See, that means you're badass. Like that's he was surprised that they had seen a clicker and like lived to tell the story. In the game, you see tons of them, right? Right. That's really good. And I think that some a lot of other video game adaptations would be smart to learn from this and to oh, oh Jalopnik. It's a, it's, it's, it used to be part of Gawker. It's a car blog. Mm. They had to jump in on the action and said, and to, uh, well, actually, oh, God, the Joel's, gasoline yeah, thing. Joel's comments about how gasoline breaks down are wrong. Like, and, and I'm just like, please shut up. Well, I mean, <laughs> like, that, yes, I, I, I'm aware that 20 year old gasoline is not going to power a car. And they kind of address it by saying that, like, okay, we have to stop every couple of miles. Well, but and also no, no, fill but, up a tank. but also I said like to me the the bigger part was it actually came in a scene that shows you that Joel doesn't know everything, right? Because she's like he he's siphoning gas and she's like how does that work and he doesn't know the the the, the physical and concept he, and behind he's, the like, siphon. Literally sucks at it, but again <laughs> he, he literally sucks at it because it would be complete gelatin at that point. Anyway, yeah. what, again, it doesn't. Whatever, it doesn't. Yeah, like, who cares? Like, like, at some point, you have to dis- like suspend disbelief a little bit and not be like, "Well, actually, twenty years of gas sitting in a gas tank, or turn it into complete jelly, and Joel wouldn't be able to siphon it." Like, yeah, we know. Shut the fuck up. Maybe God. you know what? Maybe it's in an alternate reality where gasoline comes with an additive that presents prevents from becoming viscous. Oh no, it's probably because of evaporation or something like that. Yeah, it's. Maybe, I, I could. I can explain. Maybe the you, end. But- Civilization <laughs> caused the mini ice age for 15 years. It was ex- extremely, extremely cold. I like don't know. Eventually, like it. eventually, gasoline will break down into petroleum jelly, and then you can't use it to power a yeah, car. Whatever, this whole thing, yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Again, it doesn't matter. That's yeah. the point. Is it doesn't also, matter. Also, by the way, a thing they just could have done. They could have like done a diff- some other different contrivance. They could have like had them take a huge tank of gas or something like that. I don't know. Whatever. It's not. It doesn't, but but I said like it also was a a nitpick about like Joel. Never mind. Anyway, back to yes, because that was the episode before this one. So back to this episode. So yeah, I was not entirely prepared for this to be the Riley episode, and I knew that this episode would come eventually because you can't do this show without showing how it was that Ellie got bit. I mean, this this episode was going to happen eventually. I just was not prepared for it to be this episode. And wow. I mean, I, I again, I was kind of surprised that they went ahead and just rang the bell and let everybody know that, like, Ellie's a lesbian. Although, again, like I said, in The Last of Us Part 2, it's, it's extremely obvious. I mean, she's in a relationship with another woman, and it's... It's weird. Anyway, not not weird because she's in a relationship with another woman, but weird because of situations in The Last of Us Part Two. Well, you'll see. But, you'll see. You'll yeah. see. You'll see. In a couple of years or whenever it'll come out. Like next year or whatever. Um, but yeah, I was just kind of surprised that they went ahead and just said, just kind of put it out there at this point. But like I said, it, uh, thinking on it, like I'm like, okay, well, why not just go ahead? And they already address the situation. They already heavily hinted it when she, who was it? Was it Tat? Someone said something like a, a boyfriend. She was like, no. Well, I mean, that, but right? I mean, that would also be something that you could just play off by her being like 13, 14 year olds, be like, my fucking boys are gross. Fuck that shit. <laughs> um, and plus, I, like, I've got no time for this because it is the fungal apocalypse. Yeah. A thing I get annoyed at, and it's this is already the second time I've seen these comments and I'm annoyed at them, is, and I've got, I was annoyed when during the first and second seasons of The Mandalorian, same, same annoying comment. This episode didn't move the plot forward. It, okay. okay. Now hold on, hold on. And yeah, I mean, yeah, because yeah. you because yes, you can also argue that it did, but let's say that it didn't. Let's assume for a second that it didn't. I don't know who who became president of creativity and decided that in a show every episode needs to move the plot forward. First of all, like anime has figured out this shit for like forever ago, and there are like main story arc it's like think about it like uh like you know the x-files they used to have like 
uh, overarching story episodes and they had monster of the week episodes and you could like one or both or the, or, or whatever, uh, the ghost in the shell anime has standalone. They, they actually, uh, it's a, it's actually a clever pun. The it's, it's called standalone complex, the, mm-hmm. the name of the anime and they, their episodes are, uh, broken into standalone and complex episodes and the standalone episodes are like standalone episodes and the complex episodes are like part of a season long story plot. And so every episode, it'll say like complex and then the title of the episode. And you're like, okay, so this is one of the, the ongoing mm-hmm. plot ones. Um, uh, but like, especially a show like this, which is clearly, clearly at this point, right? We're eight in character oriented. There is a story, there is a plot and the plot moves along, but that's, but the show is character oriented. It's more important to flesh out the characters so that then when actions happen, those actions are meaningful and understandable and all of that shit. So like to give you this much context about Ellie now and how it, it, it it's like the key to everything. Like I want to go back and listen to every line of dialogue of hers going to the beginning, knowing this, I think Marlene brought, brought Riley up. She name dropped Riley in the first episode. Mm-hmm. to Ellie she says something about she says something like what would Riley think or something like that or or I can't remember what it was but now now I want to go see it because I remembered the name um I for some reason in my mind Riley was a bo- a boy but uh yeah how but, the hell did that happen uh well whatever no one's over here breaking his mic yeah anyway yeah I mean I there's I I I I get annoyed with the whole moving the plot forward thing because first off like I said there's no way that you can do The Last of Us as a TV show and not address how Ellie got bit. Like, that that doesn't even make any sense. Like, how would you even... Would you, oh, she got bit and she didn't turn. Like, what? Uh, how? What? No, you have to fill in that backstory. And part of this episode, especially, like, expanding it and expanding what we know about the relationship between Ellie and Riley helps to explain her relationship with Joel and her very intense, like, like she cannot leave Joel behind. Like it's, it's not, she can't do it. Like she can't, like Joel will tell her go, she's not going. And so this is parts. And again, this is part of, we've not even completely discussed like the entirety of why Ellie is the way she is, but this goes towards explaining why she has this like abandonment complex and why she acts the way she does and the way she is the way she is is because she's lost a lot <laughs> in uh, her Kit, life yeah. like she's lost a lot Kit with Kit with a really good comment here saying uh, you can move the story forward without necessarily moving the plot forward right like right? You, like that's you a really to, good way of putting it right and this basically helped flesh out Ellie as a character like to explain to the audience, especially people who are not familiar with the game and aren't familiar with the plot lines, like why Ellie is the way she is. The thing that scared Ellie, here's an, here's yeah. an interesting thing that, that I realized the whole thing about like uh, afraid to die alone. Here's the, here's where, what, what Ellie's really afraid of. Uh, the, she was, cause she was like, everyone leaves me or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, to die with Riley, like she was like, okay, we're both bitten, whatever. She yeah. Him to him. But and then, I, and just, he, just aside that, that part of dialogue, the, the options, the three options that is directly from the game. And I love that they ported that into this. An amazing comment. I saw someone said, someone said, uh, Bill and Frank took option number one. That was an inch. Someone said like, did mm-hmm. you notice? Like that was actually, but, um, but, uh, uh, uh what was I going to say? Uh, oh, Imagine, like, again, someone with a fear right. of abandonment getting bitten with along with their friend, the friend becoming a zombie, yeah. and them staying okay. Right. Can you imagine the sheer fucking horror of thinking, like, okay, well, yeah, fuck it. Here's the end of the line. And, and not- then you watch this person you love turn, and you're still there. Yes. Now, you're not immune to a bullet, right? But imagine like the the like the the logical or illogical progression of that fear to like 
the fear that like all of humanity will like succumb to the cordyceps, but because you're immune, but you'll you. be literally the last person. Like that's what I, I think that ultimately that is her real fear. Her real fear is that everybody becomes infected except for her. And that is a really fucking scary situation to be in. Right. And it, I, uni- I like a uniquely scary situation. Cause it's like, I'm not, I'm not so much afraid that like the people I care about die. I like I I almost I can't succumb to this thing that everybody else might. Yeah, that's a pretty uh, it's a pretty powerful like fucking fear. Right, and the way they built it out in the episode where it's like she obviously cared about Riley deeply, and it's like there's there's a whole line of dialogue between her and Riley where Riley's explaining to her like, okay, I I brought you out on this whole like excursion to the mall and she like turns on the electricity and then the mall works and they can go to like the arcade and they can go on the carousel and it's like all this shit that ellie's never seen before in her life and so ultimately riley explains to her like okay i'm doing this because i'm leaving tomorrow like i'm being reassigned i joined the fireflies i'm being reassigned so this is like literally our last night together and so they're they're conversing and Riley's explaining why she went and joined the Fireflies. She's like, I, they make me feel like I matter. They feel like I, they like, I mean something to them. And then Ellie's like, you meant something to me first. And I'm like, that's the point where I was like, I should have just told you when to go get the tissues. Right yeah. <laughs> that was, uh oh, here, so like, here comes the waterworks again. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Rashomon. That's a funny, the move the plot forward guys watching Rashomon such a terrible movie nothing happens until the end lame <laughs> you know you could go listen to our old episode where we reviewed uh the last duel because it's a it's kind of like a Rashomon movie but but way less confident in its like abilities than Rashomon it's a it's actually a good I thought we had a really fun time with that episode um getting nostalgic about old uh old episodes of ours <laughs> Um, anyway, it was, uh, yeah, it was, I, again, I thought it was great. And I thought the ending where she like, she's like, I'm not, I'm going to go, you know, so I'm and like how he, like, they have this moment where she's like, oh no, no, I'm not, I'm going to actually save you now. Right. And then he like holds her hand really like just really, strong, again, really cementing that shit. father daughter relationship. Yeah. By the way, what they should do, uh, in star Wars is they should bring, uh poe dameron because you know pedro pascal and oscar isaac are like best friends and all i want is them together (laughs) in anything just give me those two in anything just two of the absolute best actors well what i'm really curious about on the last of us is where this penultimate episode is going because again like i said I thought this episode was going to go in a completely different direction and introduce a completely different set of people. And so I'm assuming that's going to happen this next episode. Yes. And oh my God, if they bring in some parts from the video game, it is, Ooh, that is, Oh man, that's going to really just make where I'm assuming the season finale is going to go just really stick. Because it, it again, really just cementing that father daughter relationship and how Joel really has taken Ellie in as not like a replacement for his daughter, but like really views her in that way, and that it starts to explain the things Joel does at the end of the end of us part one, which is where I'm assuming that this season's finale will be. (laughs) We'll see. I don't know. I will see. And, and, and by the way, something that happened, God, we should, no, we're not going to, I'll, I'll tell you, let me just, let me just write this down. Write that down. But yeah, it's, I'm curious to see, because I've been kind of curious this whole season to be like, okay, how are we going to get, because I mean, this is, this season I think is pretty much going to cover The Last of Us Part 1. Yeah, well, they did something really clever, which is that they introduced Jackson uh, in this, because you don't see it in the first game, you see it in the second game, but showing it here was a good idea, both because like, whatever, it was good for the episode, and also... You're going to see it again later 
and you're going to be and and and, and you like, already oh, know okay. it yes yeah. so that they use this they use this opportunity to introduce a location that yeah like is mentioned in the first game but you only see later but that's i i think that's a really clever and that it's efficient multi-season thinking you're like it's okay we're gonna get there don't worry um it, yeah it shows that they're like thinking ahead i think that's part of what made the first season of house of the dragon so good it's like this season is just context like a lot of this is right. just so and i i said i said this when i when i when when i found this out i said the same thing i said about like uh, remember when we were talking about episode three of the last of us and I said, this is the backstory to a piece of advice that Bill gives Joel, you know, find someone, you know, like protect them, yeah. whatever. And like, because of that entire like emotional episode, those words land really, really hard. Right. And House of the Dragon, when it in season two, when it comes around and people will say like, you did this to my mother or whatever, instead of it just being like a statement of a thing that happened, you'll be like, yeah, fuck you. Fuck you, Allison. I don't know, whatever, whoever like you right. think should. But like, it's that's great that you build investment, you know, over time. It's like that's people who read like book series know all about this, about like becoming super invested in something that like then in book three comes to a head and you're like, Ugh, I'm so into this. Right. And it's I, I'm very curious to see how they're going to do season two of this, just knowing how the last of us part two works in the video game i i can see a lot of people not particularly caring for season two you know i gotta disagree how... i gotta disagree i'll tell you why my so here my take about the last of us part two we're not going to explain why it's controversial but my take about the last of us part two is that it's one of the great ballsiest like big studio triple a sequels to a game of that size that's ever been made, right? In terms of like what it requires of the player. It's a very demanding game. And I don't mean that in terms of difficulty. Requires you to do morally ambiguous things. It requires you to do fucked up things, right? And some games do that. Spec Ops, The Line. There's a lot of games that like force you specifically into like morally problematic situations. Uh, this one does it a lot. And I, I, what I, my only thing was, I said, I don't know if that was the right choice for that game. I mean, it won all of the awards and people love it and stuff. Mm -hmm. So like, who am I to judge? Right. But I feel, I felt the same way about, uh, the last Jedi. I was like a lot of the stuff that Ryan Johnson did here. I appreciate, but was this the place to do them? No, there, I, I definitely know that the answer is no here. I was like, I'm not so sure, but in a Ma Craig Mazin HBO show, a hundred fucking percent yes, because this is one case where being passive, not having to do those things yourself, might make them less controversial and more just shot, you know, like just like a shockingly like a really tense drama that has lots of really like gut punch moments in it. Um. We'll see. I already I, know exactly what episode a bunch of people are going to stop watching. Well, I mean, yeah, sure, 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 sure. There's there's a couple of different things that I think people are going to have like major major issues with. Uh, but but again, I like I don't mind that. I think there's like there's value into making people angry, but like artistically, not because you did a dumb thing. Because this story is definitely not dumb. It's definitely deliberate, and the choices that they make in it, even the controversial ones are very deliberate. Like they're not, they, it's not just like, it's not gore porn. Cause that's not what we're talking about. And it's not like Oscar bait stuff. It's like, they wrote this story is very dark people. You're not gonna, I, I think part of the bill and Frank thing was specifically to like, give you just a little bit of a breather from the fucking, it's all, it's all going to be grim. It's all going to be, it's like Game of Thrones. Yeah, it's, like. it's, it's all grim from here. Yeah, it's all, <laughs> it's, it's, it's all grim from here. Yep. You just got to get, you just got to know that it's coming. And I don't know, you know what I like? I fell off The Walking Dead like 75 seasons ago. And I don't know if it stayed as kind of grim as it was in the beginning. Uh, but even then, it wasn't that grim when it has those moments of like, oh, Glenn and whatever and uh, whatever. And yes, I know that he then. Glenn and Maggie, but then yeah, he dies or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever. But like all that stuff where like they all kind of pair up and become couples. And it's just like, and, and I understand like the point is to try to get you like human invest, humanly invested in it. But uh, this one is, uh, 
This one's a little more cutthroat than that, uh, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to say much more than that. I think I think we're going to I think we're going to bring this uh this show to a close the second I pop the music back up or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's still just such a great intro slash outro. Yeah. Oh, they also use it as the outro. That's true. Yeah, they do use it as the outro. Thank you, Kit J, for the uh, the, the compliment uh, for a great episode. Uh, we're, we're being thanked for a great episode. Oh, thank you. Uh, and uh, yeah, this was uh, this was uh, this was fun. And uh, we're gonna be back at our regular ambitious crossover attempt time day and time i guess right i think it, you know what i just if somebody if you're if like if you don't get it on monday could you like could you dm me or something like that the people are saying there's not too many people here but there's been some weird analytics behaviors and i'm just trying to make sure that everything is uh on the up and up so if you have any trouble seeing the episodes and stuff just let us know uh until then Jen, let's do some plugs. Okay, so obviously you know where to find us on Wednesday nights here at 8.30 Eastern. Um, our main podcast, Ambitious Crossover Attempt, does drop on Monday mornings. It does, I swear. And you can find it on all your podcast catchers, you know, Amazon, Google, Spotify, Apple, all that good stuff. Um, you can find us on Twitter at AMBXOver. You can find me on Twitter at that Jen Monroe and on Substack at jenmonroe.substack.com. I'm Neon Taster on Twitter and also Neon Taster, uh, youtube.com slash C slash youtube.com slash Neon Taster, twitch.tv slash Neon Taster. And Kit J says there's a game called This War of Mine that puts you in the shoes of a guy who's trying to survive a civil war in some Balkan like Eastern European country. I can't play that game. I've seen stuff from it. I cannot play it. You have to like rob old people of their food as they beg you not to. It's like, it's really, it's fucked up. It's yeah. like, it's really, it's like what you need to, it's like a literal, like, here's what you got to do to survive. It's like, I saw, I saw a little bit of it and I was like, I'm not going to have fun with this. It's going to, it's just going to depress me. Right. Uh, anyway, <laughs> it's, I mean, if that sounds appealing to you, if the idea of like uh, grim realism, it, I mean, it's sort of side scrolly. It's not, re, it's not realistic in that sense. But if you want a game that makes you make really tough apocalypse choices uh, or whatever war zone choices, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it'll do that. It'll definitely do that. Anyway, thank you very much, everyone, and have a good night. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Noam. Night, everybody. Bye.